The Aussie cluster, specifically the cluster in the northern beach area of Sydney in New South Wales, continues to grow. Sounds like 30 more cases having been confirmed overnight. Uh, the restrictions, uh, the Premier of New South Wales wanting all Sydney siders to wear masks in public. Uh, there's a maximum of 10 people allowed to gather in Sydney, and that includes the Blue Mountains and then as far north as the Central Coast. Uh, so this is a real spanner in the works. Uh, just as we're feeling for friends in the UK where things are especially serious. Um, This is also a shame for friends and family across the Tasman. So what this may mean for a potential trans-Tasman bubble, as I said yesterday, I'm relieved that we've been cautious. Uh, Peter Dunn joins us now, former MP. Good afternoon, Peter. Merry Christmas. Same to you, Tim. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Hey, Peter, so when you look at the headlines uh, in uh, in Australia, with 30 new cases, I think, in the past 24 hours, I have this feeling that every headline is push, sort of going to push our Trans-Tasman bubble plans back a week, two, three, maybe a month. What do you think it's going to do? To- I'm, I'm beginning to think that too. I mean, we've been very cautious and perhaps you know, some have criticised us for being overly cautious to date. Uh, this outbreak in Australia, given what we've got going on in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment too, I think we'll just fuel that caution further. And I, I would be very surprised if we proceed on the time frame originally outlined. I think we'll want to be much more reassured that they've got it under control before we look at anything like a bubble. Now, speaking of um, COVID, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet. I want to know if you share it about last minute press releases by governments. I don't care whether it's Labour or National going back over the years, uh, where they dump bad news and then sort of go on holiday. What do you make of the release of that in particular, the Heather Simpson and Brian Roche report? Yeah, well, I think uh, in general, all governments do it. You know, the Christmas drop is sort of a legendary bit of the, of the weaponry. But I think this year it's been particularly bad with both the COVID uh, review paper and also the Ihimahada decision. Both of those issues were live all year. The COVID paper has been held by the government right through the election campaign and only released now. It does look as though this is media management to the highest extent. Now, the problem is, of course, you say, well, look, that's the game. Yes, yes, it is. But the public have a right to know. And I think particularly with the COVID issue, as it's cleared up again in Australia right now, we need to be absolutely certain that we've got the best systems in place in New Zealand to, um, to manage this. And uh, I think delaying that report just gives a little bit of anxiety that perhaps we don't. Can you remember back, given that you've worked with both National and Labour, of how those strategic meetings play out, you know, with regards to the releasing of information on a Friday or the releasing of information just before the holidays? Well, the, the big consideration is to try and get it out into a sort of a flat news period. So uh, just before the holidays is perfect. There's no parliament. Most of the media have gone away for Christmas. Hopefully you can get the news out and people will have forgotten that by the time you come back early in the new year. That's the normal sort of game plan. I think the difficulty with this one is with COVID being such a rampant virus and everything changing almost on a daily basis, uh, that looks just a wee bit too cute to be true. So, you know, I think they've got a bit of a management act now as to why they justify or how they justify mm. why it took so long to get it out there when, you know, there are pretty serious implications for our border control and management raised by that report. Well, I would have thought also, um, because everyone sort of goes, oh, well, you know, end of the year, it's the sort of thing that governments do. But we had a, an election where Jacinda Ardern campaigned on it being a COVID-19 election, and this report was finished in September. And I, I take a really dim view. I think this is pretty despicable politics that you keep something like this quiet when, in fact, it, it's it's something that may not have changed anything, but it certainly would have been relevant to the voters, wouldn't 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case, and particularly when the Prime Minister herself said that she had never taken politics into account in making any decisions about COVID. I mean, that's just a complete nonsense. Uh, they've acted politically, and I don't criticise them for that, actually. From day one, this was a political event as much as anything else, and they managed it well, and they got the political dividend. Uh, but the trouble is there's always a downside, and the downside is when things go wrong, you've got to accept the accountability, and this is one case in point. So, so how would it work behind the scenes? As in, would Chris Hipkins, who seems to be doing a, a good job uh, in a massive role as health minister um, at the time, that this had, had the report had been finished, would, would he have said, okay, this doesn't look great because it's critical of some of the things that have happened, so we're going to literally sit on this for three months? I think also he'd have consulted with the Prime Minister's office and the Prime Minister's media management team, and that have come to a joint view that let's just sit on this until after the election. Uh, obviously, they want to consult the Ministry of Health about some of its reactions, but you know, mm. I would have expected this report to have been out there a month ago, frankly. Mm. Once the election dust had settled and the government had been formed, uh, get it out there and start dealing with it. Bringing it out right on the eve of Christmas means mm. it's going to be you know, late January, early February before you get around to do anything about it. Yeah, I think the mantra they must have had on the wall in, a, in their meeting room where it talks about transparency, perhaps, had maybe slipped off, the blue tack had faded. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, uh, yeah, transparency on our terms. <laughs> All the good news will be transparent about, but if there's bad news, let's just keep that. And particular, look, you know, I can, I can understand why they want to manage it around the election. You, yeah. can, you can you can question, you know, whether that was good politics or not. I can understand why they did it. But once the election was over and the government formed, that would, to me, seem to be the time to come out and say, look, we have this report out there. We've got to do something about it, and actually hook the opposition into being part of the solution yeah. as well. What well, they've done now, of course, is just put them all to, all to one side. Talking about uh, late announcements, of course, the other one uh, was Ihumato. Uh, and mm. um, that, uh, that's that been sort of spun as being, well, it wasn't a tr- it's nothing that's been the, the substance of a treaty claim before, so this is sort of okay. But others are worried that this is a really serious incursion into private, la- uh, private uh, property rights. Yeah, I think time will tell on that. I mean, I think there are some particular factors with Ihumato, but... Uh, the, the, the thing about this one is this was on the agenda this time last year. A lot of people were expecting an announcement to be made around the time of Waitangi Day. And then it got sort of pushed back and back and back. Uh, there's been the involvement of the Kingitanga and all these other sorts of things. And yet um, no urgency about getting to a decision. So I, I don't know why the delay. Uh, and again, coming out late in the piece like this, all it does is raise suspicions that there is perhaps some other agenda. There are some other risks associated with this. I'm less concerned about the Ihumata one because I can remember Simon Bridges being on this program um, months and months and months ago, because obviously he was leader at the time, and and saying that he'd had it on good authority that the government were going to make an announcement about Ihumatao and it was appalling because it was during the school holidays and people weren't going to be paying attention. And obviously that, that came and went. and that was They found a better time for the announcement. The, those many, many <laughs> holidays week. ago. Um, anyway, speaking of holidays, Peter Dunn, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. What will you be doing for Christmas this year? We're having a quiet family Christmas and then going up um, north to repeat the feat with some other members of the family uh, afterwards. And can I just say, look, it's been great talking to you guys during the year. I hope you two have a fantastic Christmas. Um, yeah. Lots of fun. Enjoy that daylight saving, of course. And um, <laughs> look forward to talking. Look forward to talking next well, year. Well, I'm glad you raised the daylight saving because it, uh, it I was stopped Tim because uh, he was about to. And, <laughs> and I hope you've done all your Christmas shopping. And um, yeah, the gr- thank you for being on our program throughout the uh, year, Peter. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. All the best to you. Bye.